0: Thessalonians chapter 5, we are continuing working our way through this letter from the Apostle Paul, and we have found ourselves appropriately this morning in verses 16 through 18, and with it being a thanksgiving and all, it's amazing to see how God has orchestrated uh, in His sovereignty to bring us to this passage uh, today, 1 the Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, and f- before we start this morning, I have to give a confession. I hope you don't think any less of me as a person for this and any less of me as a pastor for this, but I felt like I had to get something off my chest. This past Wednesday night at our Thanksgiving dinner you know, here at the church, I ate my dessert first. You know, I, it was a moment of weakness. Um, the, the line was just so long, you know, so many people there and, there was nobody at the dessert table and, and and Carolyn's chocolate pie was just sitting there and it was calling my name and most of the time by the time I get through the line and get over to the dessert table Carolyn's pie is gone and, and, and there it was and I wasn't the only one I'm not going to call out any names I'm not going to throw I <laughs> didn't want to throw nobody else under the bus uh, but I wasn't the only one but I felt like I had to confess that alright you know it wasn't that there was any shortage or lack of of good nutritious food there to eat, but uh, I ate my uh, dessert first. You know, typically eating a lot of sweets before your meal, it'll do what it'll it'll ruin your appetite. Uh, you know, it's best to to eat the, what's considered the good food. Although you know that pie was very very good, it's better to eat the good food uh, first before you fill up on on junk food. And there's too many believers in this world that are full of junk and not full of the good stuff. And I think this passage this morning deals with just that uh, because when you're full of junk, it has a negative effect on you as a Christian, but you also bring that negativity, as we saw last week in our study, you bring that into the church and it has a negative impact on the congregation. So this morning, I want us to all understand how we are to be full of the good stuff, and so you and I must display consistent Christian conduct uh, in spite of the circumstances we might face in life, regardless of what life throws at us, and let's face it, it throws a lot at us from time to time. As Christians, we must be full of the good stuff, and Remain consistent in our Christian character as we seek to please Him and serve in His church. I want to invite you, if you're able to, this morning, please stand with me in reverence for the reading of the Holy Word of God. I'm reading from First Thessalonians chapter five, starting at verse sixteen, and the Apostle Paul writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we have come to our time in this worship service that is dedicated to opening up your word. Father, I pray that we would do just that, that we would come to this book with the full conviction, God, that this is God-breathed, that this is inspired scripture. And therefore, God is your word. It is true and it's trustworthy. It is authoritative, and it is powerful. Your word it is living and it is active and it is sharper than any two edged sword. So, Father, I pray as we come today and open this book and and study together. I pray, God, that you would show us the true meaning of what we are reading, Father. Show us how this applies to our daily lives, and show us the powerful impact being filled with the good stuff has on our lives as individuals and on our entire congregation as a whole. Lord, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for speaking to us. And I pray that we receive your message today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've come to this final section of the letter of 1 Thessalonians. We've seen back in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul is talking about how we are to please God. Talking about the conduct that we have as Christians uh, that pleases God. And he has talked about several subjects along the way and we have found ourselves in this specific context here, verses 12 through 22, talking about life in the church. How... Does our life in the church please the Lord? And literally, we've come today to find three commands before us in Scripture that we are all to obey. These are second person plural commands, which means it's dealing with more than just one individual. He's dealing with you all. You know, We, we say y'all here in Kentucky uh, Jeremy I don't know they say y'all in Oklahoma too uh, I know you do I know you're from here so you say y'all even if they don't but Paul is talking about y'all do these three things in your daily life and you carry that over and you bring that into life in the church and as we do that it, it pleases God now these commands are appropriate for us as individuals but remember we are in the, a corporate context here of dealing with verses 12 through 15 talking about our relationship between the the leaders in the church and and those who are members of the church and and also we talked about how we are to live in peace with one another back in verse 13 And, and then in verse 15 how we are to always seek that which is good for one another as a church and for all people even those who are outside the church and here today, Paul carries it over and shows us, instead of, of dealing with, with the negativity and the, and the issues and the, and the problems that might come up in the church in, in verses 14 and 15, today he's talking about how we are to seek that which is good. What is the, the, the right attitude, the right behavior that is good for one another in the church and good for all people? Paul says we are to be full of three things first of all you need to stay joyful stay joyful stay stay filled with joy now joy is different than happiness now happiness is an emotion and it comes and it goes it's dependent upon the situation things are going well Uh, the wildcats blow out kansas i'm happy you know but fast forward to the football game that's coming up next week i probably won't be so happy you know, happiness comes and it goes. It depends on what's going on. But joy is consistent. Joy is supernatural. Joy is, Paul says, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That means when we are Christians, we are to be filled with joy. It should be part of our natural, our, our supernatural uh, daily life. Stay joyful, first of all, in your Christian experience. Rejoice always is the command the king james version says rejoice evermore i like the way that sounds paul in his 13 letters talks about joy over two dozen times that means in paul's perspective joy is very important for us as christians and jesus also spoke about joy also he spoke about having joy in spite of persecution And we've talked about in this letter the the Thessalonians had faced persecution in their lives as Christians, harassed for their faith and for their beliefs. And Jesus says, you know, to stay joyful, rejoice. Jesus also said, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Do we need any more reason? to rejoice. In spite of the circumstances of life, if your name is written in heaven, you have every reason to rejoice. As a Christian, your sins have been forgiven. You've been saved from the wrath that is to come. You have been born again. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have every reason to be filled with joy. You are part of God's family. You have been adopted by the Father. You are you are a child of the King. You are part of the body of Christ. As Christians, we have every reason. Of, of, of all people, we should be the most joyful. But the problem is, we get so beat down by life that our joy isn't always evident. But joy is not dependent on the circumstance. Joy is saying, regardless of what happens, I'm going to rejoice always. Always. So in your Christian experience but also in your Christian expectation because you know as a believer no matter how bad things get here on earth this is not all there is. This is not the end of the story. No matter what kind of trials, tribulations, pain, sorrow, suffering, heartbreak you face as a Christian, this is not all there is. There is another day. There is eternity. There is glory. There is heaven awaiting us who have, who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and so we have an expectation we have a hope and we cling to that and sometimes that might be all we have but if we have that we have everything in Christ so our Christian expectation gives us hope and Paul has talked about that already in this letter the return of Christ he's coming back again the resurrection of the dead loved ones who have gone on to be with Christ we will be reunited with them the rapture of the church Eternal glory, all these things await us. That's our expectation. And never lose sight of that. Because when you lose sight of that expectation, it's so difficult to maintain joy in this fallen world. You know, as Christians, we are to be joyful and then we are to bring that attitude with us into the church. And we need to cultivate an atmosphere of, of optimism here in our church because if that optimism and that joy is not here then when we have guests or unbelievers that come into our midst they're not going to see Christian joy they're going to see everything else and the pain and and, and they're going to see the burdens and and the disgruntled attitudes and the negativity and that impacts our mission as a church you know people can see right through our facade if joy is not real and if it's not genuine. and so we need to cultivate that attitude. Stay joyful as an individual, and let's strive to stay joyful as a church family. Stay full of joy. Then in the verse 17, Paul mentions something else here. We are to stay prayerful. Stay prayerful. He says, "Pray without ceasing." Pray continually. Pray. And he uses the word prayer here, a general term uh, for a worshipful approach to God. It's a general term. It can, it can cover a lot of different things. But Paul says, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. That means we need to pray through constant communion. Constant communion with, with God the Father. Now this verse when it says without ceasing, that doesn't mean 24 hours a day, 7 days a week I've got to be on my knees, my hands folded, my head bowed, my eyes closed, and that's all I'm supposed to do. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying understand and have an awareness that wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, God is there with you. And you have constant communion, a a, a constant relationship, and a constant access to God that's right there. God is just a prayer away, the old saying goes. So it means as you go through life and you face circumstances, whether good or bad, God is there. And as as a Christian, as a believer, you are to have this constant awareness and this understanding. Without ceasing, God is faithful. He is there. I read that this constant fellowship with God should come as natural to us as Christians as as breathing. That we breathe in through prayer the, the presence of God and the will of God. And then we exhale our concerns and our requests to God the Father. And so, pray without ceasing is this constant attitude, this constant communion. It's understanding that God is there with us as we inhale His His presence and His will and we exhale our concerns, which brings us to our next point. We stay prayerful through constant conversation. Conversation. That's what prayer is, isn't it? Prayer is is conversating with God. It's talking to God and it's also listening to God. And for so many of us, we we kind of forget that part. When we come to God in prayer, we need to be listening and discerning His will. But we also conversate in in expressing our concerns and taking our requests, our desires to God with faith. As Steve prayed earlier, the faith of knowing that God hears and God responds and God answers according to His will. And we'll talk some more about that here. In just a moment, but constant communion and consistent conversation need for a a private prayer life as an individual Christian, but also need for a a public prayer life as a church. Remember, we're dealing with the context here of the assembly, of of you all, y'all. So when we gather as a church, prayer should be part of our consistent conversation with God. Do you understand that any success we have as a church is? is dependent upon prayer. Prayer is a a, a dependency upon God for His direction, for His power. And so we need consistent conversation with Him. Prayer is private, is public, it is praise it is petition. We praise God for who He is, for what He has done. And we talked about all the things we have that we should be filled with joy because of... And so we praise God for that. And we also petition God. We ask God for things. Remember, Jesus gave us, in the Lord's Prayer, we call it, is a model for prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And he talks about the things we ought to pray for for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God to give us our daily bread, the things we need to survive and, and, and to thrive in this life. We ask God for these things. We ask God to forgive us of our sins, our trespasses. We ask God to help us, enable us to forgive others. We ask God to, to lead us away from temptation so that we would not sin. Jesus said these are all things we need to be praying for in our conversation with God, and we see Jesus modeling that for us. We read the Gospels. We, we see His life. and All the times He is praying, he is, he is alone by Himself. and The times He is praying before major events in His ministry, we find Jesus modeling for us this consistent conversation with the Father. You know, Paul also, as he's talking about prayer here in Thessalonians, throughout Paul's letters we see Paul asking prayer for himself as, as a minister, as, as one who is proclaiming the Word of God. And he is asking prayer that the gospel, the message he gives, will be successful that God will open doors for him to find those who are in need of this saving message, who are in need of this message of hope. And he says, pray that the Word of God would spread. Pray that the Gospel will take root. Pray that those would be saved. Pray fervently. Pray without ceasing. I had a phone call this week from a former church member and she said, Brother Todd, I've just got to share you, with you this story. This is, this is amazing. When I left Mount Moriah, the, the pastor who followed right after me, Brother Jacob, he was there for a while, and then he left and went to Scotland, and he is pastoring a church there in Scotland. And Brother Jacob had uh, informed the church when he was in Scotland, he says, you all need to pray for this lady named Naomi. Pray for her physical healing, but also pray for her salvation. She's not a Christian. And so they put Naomi on the prayer list there at Mount Moriah and, and a significant period of time had passed and, and they were going through the process of cleaning up their prayer list much like we're uh, about to do here in a few weeks. And they saw Naomi's name on there and they said, you know what, I wonder if we need to remove her name or, or leave it on here. And so they sent a message to him through the internet you know, over in Scotland and said, Brother Jacob, do we need to take Naomi's name off? And he said, no, you know, leave it on. She's been healed physically but... We still need to pray for her salvation. And they said, okay, well, we'll leave her name on the prayer list. And then 15 minutes after that conversation took place, Brother Jacob received a text message that Naomi had accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. And Sandy called me and she said, I just want to tell you that because God is still alive, God is still in control, and we should never stop praying. For those who are lost, pray without ceasing. If there is anything in this world that we should never stop praying about, we should be praying for the salvation of those that we love. For those who don't know Jesus Christ, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Unceasingly pray for them to come to an understanding that they are lost, that they have no hope, there's no way they can be good enough for God, they need a Savior. To rescue them. And that Jesus is the only way. That Jesus lived that perfect life that none of us can. Jesus died on the cross as a substitute for our sin. And that Jesus rose again victorious over sin and death. And therefore, when we trust in Him, when we surrender to Him, we likewise have that hope of eternal life and resurrection, that victory in Jesus. Stay prayerful. Stay prayerful because when we pray we acknowledge our dependence on God and when we pray we take our focus off of the situation and we put it on God and the obstacles to joy are removed. Stay joyful by staying prayerful. And finally Paul talks about in verse 18 stay thankful we are to be full of thanks and thanksgiving in verse 18 he says in everything give thanks it means we need to have an attitude of gratitude Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1 those who are lost those who have never been born again the unregenerate he says that they do not thank God ingratitude is a mark or a Example or a reflection of someone who has never been saved. So Paul says, as Christians, we need to stay thankful. What are we thankful for? Thankful for God's provision. He says, in everything, give thanks. Give thanks for God's provision. God provided we so much. We need to be counting our blessings. Think of all that God has done for you, all that God is doing for you, all that God will do for you. We are thankful for His, His physical provision, the air that we breathe, the blood that is circulating through our bodies, the, the roof over our heads, the clothing on our back, the relationships that we have with loved ones, so much that we are to be thankful for physically. Physically but also spiritually. Thankful that while we can never earn God's favor, God is gracious and God has done for us in Christ what we can never do for ourselves. And God did that because He was motivated by His love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thankful for that. God's grace is undeserved favor. And we could go around this room this morning and we could be here all day just saying what we are thankful for. And I know you all are hungry, so we won't do that, all right? But we could if we wanted because there is so much. God's provision is so rich. But we are also to stay thankful for God's providence. And I think that's what the gist of this verse is all about here because he says, in everything give thanks God's providence is literally the understanding that God maintains creation he created everything he set it in motion and he maintains it he keeps it up and also he stays intimately involved with the affairs of creation so much so that God is directing all that takes place according to his purpose God is maintaining and controlling and guiding and governing everything towards a final grand purpose. And that is the final redemption of creation in Christ Jesus. God's providence. Now notice it says here, in everything give thanks. We might say, well, that sounds kind of bizarre. But notice it doesn't say for everything. Everything. It's not acknowledging, it's not denying that bad things happen to good people. And it's not saying, be be happy for all the bad stuff. He's not saying, be thankful that your child had the stomach bug this week. Isn't that so wonderful? Praise God for that. Or that flat tire on the way to work this week. Hallelujah, God, that was so awesome, so great. Thank you. I am so thankful for suffering. Now, that's sadistic. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying for everything. It says in everything. That means despite of everything. Good or bad, stay thankful. Stay thankful because you understand that God, according to Romans 8, 28, He is working all things for the good to those who love Him and those who are called according to His purposes. That's understanding providence is saying... God, I trust in you. I don't like what's going on. I don't like the fact that I have a loved one with cancer. I don't like the fact that there are innocent people out there suffering. I don't like the fact that people are doing evil and cruel things to children. But, God, in spite of everything, I am going to be thankful. Because I know, God, in the end, justice prevails. I know God in the end it will all tie together and I don't quite understand it now but I do believe all things have a purpose and all things are working towards something because God your word says it does and that's what faith does faith is believing trusting in what we might not see but believing it to be real based upon God's prior actions God's character in everything give thanks you know it's so important for us as adults to be thankful and to also teach our children to be thankful because it doesn't come naturally does it you know when you're a child and somebody gives you something and you just take it for granted and we teach our children you know what do you say They say thank you. And how awesome it is as a parent when when somebody gives something to your child and and you don't have to tell them. You don't have to prompt them. They automatically just say thank you. You're just like, yes. Yes, they get it. But it's the same thing for us as adults. We need to stay thankful because when we stay thankful, that means we're humble. That means we don't think, well, I deserve this. And it's also a way of, 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 of giving value towards the person who has helped us. Because when we don't express our gratitude and we, we take that person for granted, we begin to think of them as, as someone that's there for my happiness. We devalue the person when we don't have gratitude and thankfulness for those who do kind things for us it's the same thing for God in our relationship with Him when we don't have an attitude of thankfulness we're full of pride and we think somehow I deserve this from God I'm so good God is hes rewarding me for being such a good person no we, we say thank you God because I don't deserve any good thing from you as a sinner God, thank you. I ascribe to you ultimate value and worth because you've done something for me and I recognize that. Stay thankful, believers, to God. The final thing we see also in verse 18 is that we are to stay faithful. Stay faithful. We might not see that right away from this text, but I hope that we come to see that it's there. He says in verse 18, And everything give thanks for, because, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now on the surface we might say, well, this is God's will means that giving thanks is God's will. But it can also be interpreted by saying all three of these things. This is God's will. What's God's will? This, being joyful, being prayerful, being thankful. This, these three things tied together, this is God's will. That we stay consistent in this because these these commands here, these are present tense imperatives. That means it's ongoing. That doesn't mean, well, give God thanks once and you're done and move on keep being thankful keep being joyful keep being prayerful we're to stay faithful to God in this because we see first of all these are commands and so we stay faithful to His divine directives these are directives from God these are our marching orders from our superior officer rejoice is a command pray is a command give thanks is a command. And if it's a command, then to disobey is what? It's sin. It's rebellion. And God says, This is my will for you. And you know, we've talked about it so many times already in First Thessalonians, Paul talks about. This is God's will for you, your sanctification, your holiness. And so we go through life trying to to find the will of God like it's such a mystery. And God says, my will for you is that you stay holy, you stay joyful, prayerful, thankful. It's spelled out for us. God's will for us. These are divine directives. God's will for you. Paul didn't say, you know, this is what I want you to do. Do it because I said so. So this is God's will for you. So it carries His authority. So we stay faithful to His divine directives, but there's a problem. You can't do it. I can't do it. Why? Because we're sinners. By nature, we've got this fallen nature, this selfish Desire, this pride in our hearts and and our happiness overwhelms our joy and our mood is dictated by what's going on in our lives And, and we don't always pray as we ought and we don't always express thanks and gratitude to God and we struggle with these things and we can't stay faithful but Paul has for us the answer For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so we stay faithful to His divine directives by His divine dynamic. In Christ Jesus, that says so much about who you and I are as believers. We are in Christ Jesus. Well, who is Christ Jesus? He was the faithful. He is the faithful Son of God. He was the one who was always joyful. He was one who was always prayerful and always thankful. And therefore, if you and I are in Christ by faith, our righteousness is not bound up in our ability to stay good. Our righteousness, our hope, is rooted in Christ Jesus. And so any hope we have of obeying God, any hope we have of eternal life, is not dependent on our own good works well, I just gotta, I gotta just stay joyful I gotta just stay prayerful I gotta stay thankful because if I'm not then I'm not saved that's not Christianity Christianity is I wanna strive for this because it's God's will for me but I understand at the end of the day I'm in Christ Jesus My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We understand this divine dynamic. It's impossible to stay faithful to God without being in Christ Jesus, without being born again, without being given this new nature. So that means, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot please God. You cannot be full of the good stuff unless you have been born again. Unless you have been made a new new creation, a new creature in Christ. That means you and I need to be saved. You and I need to be forgiven. You and I need to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And that only happens by your personal surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord You bow the knee, you bow your heart, and you say, Jesus, here I am. Take it all. It's not much, but everything I have it's yours. I place myself under your authority because I believe and I trust that you are good enough. You are enough. Your work on the cross, your resurrection, it's all that I need. And without you, I'm hopeless. Being born again, trusting in Christ so you and I we must display consistent Christian character regardless of life situations we are to remain joyful we are to pray without ceasing we are to give thanks in everything because it's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus Thursday morning I went to the nursing home and visited Miss Della Williams. For those of you all who may not know, Miss Della a longtime member of our church. She's 84 years old, a few months back, had to have her right leg amputated just above the knee. She's been in the hospital and nursing home ever since. I went and visited with her and I was talking to her about uh, the big Thanksgiving dinner we had the night before at the church. And I was talking to her about the new fellowship hall, how we remodeled it, you know, tore down walls and, 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 and repainted and did everything nice. And, and I said, oh, I've got some pictures here. And so I pulled out my phone and I'm showing her, she said, oh, you got one of them new fancy, you know, the, the new fancy phones. And so I was showing her the pictures, you know, of everything and all the decorations. And then one particular picture got her attention. She said, what's this? And the children's ministry had, uh, had created this little tree, something along about this size or so. If you were you know, there Wednesday night, you saw it. It had these little leaves hanging off of it, these little paper leaves they'd cut out. And, and on each leaf, they had to write down one thing they were thankful for. And on the other side, you know, they wrote down their name. And so you go up and see, you know, the name and what they were thankful for. And it was really, it was really cool to see the things our children were, were thankful for. And I was telling her about this tree and about these leaves. And she said, you know, it would be kind of hard for me to do. She said, I can't think of just one thing that I'm thankful for. So I've got so much God's done for me. You know, there she was, laying in a nursing home with one leg amputated. The day before, she had tried to get out of the bed into her wheelchair and had fallen and wasn't able to reach the call button and had to lay on the floor until somebody just happened to come by and and see her there. And in spite of her life situations, she was as genuine as could be telling me, I can't think of just one thing. God has done so much for me. Consistent Christian character regardless of life situations. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What that tells me is that you need to let your heart for Jesus overflow. If you are full of the good stuff, and, and let's, let's face it, <laughs> there's no good stuff better than Christ Jesus. If you're full of Christ Jesus, you need to let your hearts for Jesus overflow. Being full of the good stuff has a powerful impact on you, it has a positive impact on you. And in this context, a powerful, positive impact on the church and its mission. Let's pray together.